Welcome to the Inspired by Adventure Podcast, Season 3, Unique Entrepreneurs. Here is your host, serial entrepreneur, Wayne Brown. Welcome to Inspired by Adventure, Season 3. I'm Wayne Brown, serial entrepreneur and this season's host. We will be exploring the lives of fellow entrepreneurs, how they got started, what motivates them, and share their business experiences. Entrepreneurs are a different breed. We're risk takers. Gut feeling drives a lot of our decisions, and we thrive on change. We have learned what it takes to surmount difficulties and create success against all odds. The fact that we and our companies are still standing is evidence enough that we have a wealth of knowledge to share with all of you. Today we have as my unique entrepreneur, Lionel Smith, or locally known as Smitty. Lionel started, started a very successful high-end men's clothing store, Lionel Smith Limited. Welcome, Smitty, and thank you for taking the time to be with me today. My pleasure. Thanks for asking me. You know, uh, I get asked a lot from other entrepreneurs or people thinking about opening their own business, kind of my background and, and how I ended up where I was. Um, so let's hear about your story, where you're from, uh, and um, how you ended up in the clothing business. Okay, I grew up in eastern North Carolina, close to Fayetteville, and part of my life in Fayetteville. And uh, I came from a, a small town just south of there that we had a real close community. And I had a friend that his family was wealthy. And, I mean, my family had zero compared to theirs but uh but it was always uh, a pleasant relationship and uh and this young man had a uh opportunity to use his family's charge account over in Fayetteville at a real fine men's store and like I've told people many times they all looked like they were making enough money successful in their business, dressed well, had all the trappings of, of success. And uh, I jokingly tell people that I gave up my pursuit of a rocket scientist degree and became a clothier in my mind. And, you know, I think that's partially what makes things successful is that you, as Martin Luther King said, have a dream. If you have a dream and then everything you do is a step toward realizing that dream, then it becomes a success. So how did you um, end up in Aiken, South Carolina? Uh, my father and another gentleman bought a soft drink plant. He was in the soft drink business. Uh, used to work with Dr. Pepper in Fayetteville. And... Uh, and they bought this plant, and we, of course, moved to Edgefield, a small town close to Aiken, and uh, started in high school working with a local department store, Belks. And, uh, and I just enjoyed it, and they seemed to enjoy having me there. And so after high school, I didn't go to college. 
uh, I went to work for Belks and Aiken. Uh, we had a gentleman from Edgefield that told them that I would be a good candidate for running the boys department. And uh, I told him, I said, I gotta be honest with you. I've never done any buying. Uh, I have no idea about inventory control. I didn't even know the terminology to use then. I said, I don't know how much you're supposed to buy. So you, you learn about inventory control. And uh, he said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll teach you all of those things. You have the right skill set for everything else, meeting people and that sort of thing. And uh, so I said, okay, I'll do it. And I was not married then. I married soon after that. But uh, but ended up uh, coming to Aiken, having the boys department. And I said, okay, now when do you have the classes about buying and everything? I said, you can do it. You know, and so they let you do it. That helped me in a lot of ways. The, the big way that it helped is first somebody having confidence in me and my abilities. And secondly, I learned by making mistakes. And if you don't make the mistakes too big, you can overcome all of them. And, uh, and that's, that's the way I got into the clothing business. Well, we had, I developed a relationship with so many young kids because we carried boys sizes from size six to 20. And, uh, and so I'd have a lot of little 10 year old guys who are now stockbrokers. And, uh, and my, one, one in mine, in my mind in particular, uh, used to be so thin, he'd buy 10 slims. 10 slim has a 23 inch waist. And uh, he was a great baseball player and everything. And now he's a very successful uh, stockbroker. So uh, just getting to know those people. And now we have their children. We have them, if they're still living. Their children, if they're still in Aiken. And their grandchildren. So you just sort of... It's like building blocks. You're building on the best foundation and gradually moving up from there. Does that answer? Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did you um, decide to make the leap from uh, an employee at Belk's to an owner at your own high-end men's clothing store? Well, I still had that dream from Fayetteville from Leon Sugar's men's store. And, uh, and I would... Uh, Every, every decision I would make would be a building block toward realizing that dream of having my own business. Well, I was doing so well at Belk's. You know, I think I was making $75 a week, and I mean, I was just really rocking and rolling. This was back about 1960. And uh, one day a lady came across the street from the men's store that was across from Belk's. And, uh, and she said, you need to come see Mr. Owen. And I said, why is that? She said, he needs your help. I said, 
Mrs. Hunt, he can't afford me. And, you know, it turned out he could, and, and he did. And he knew about my dream to have my own business. And so he, as a part of my inducement to come, he would give me 1% of the store per year for as long as I stayed there. He was getting close to retirement age anyway and had no children. And, uh, and so I was so green that uh, I didn't realize that if you have phantom income like a stock, that you owe the taxes on it. <laughs> and so, uh, so I had to talk with Mr. Owen and, and he, he helped me to get over that hump financially to pay the taxes. But, uh, but it was just funny that uh, this lady saw potential. She had two boys and a daughter and, uh, and she'd bring the boys in and we got along famously. And even today, I have kids, you know, that come in the store and said, my granddad used to trade with you when he was like in high school or, or my grandfather worked with you at one time, part-time when, when he was a student and uh, just build a nice relationship. But it's all about building blocks and, and having that dream and that vision and then working a step at a time toward getting that done. You know, I, I tell a lot of uh, uh, new entrepreneurs that are asking me how they, how they can build a business or build their own business. And I always tell them, you have to be ready because opportunity is not going to come very often. Mm -hmm. And that's how most successful people end up uh, being successful is they were ready for that opportunity, just like you were with, uh, with uh, the gentleman across the street with mm -hmm. the store. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've talked to you before and I've talked to other people before. And they oftentimes, I would speak to classes at school that wanted to know about how I got started and everything. And, uh, and these students would say something like, uh, well, I want to have my own business. And I said, that's a great dream to have. Now, I, I used to go spend hours with them, you know, trying to coach them a little bit and everything. And it turned out that almost none of them ever moved to the next level. And I asked him, I said, uh, how, how much time do you plan to put in your own business? Oh, I work 40 hours a week. And I said, wrong answer. I said, there are no 40 hour weeks. And, uh, and they said, well, how many hours does it take? I said, how many hours do you have? And 24 hours, seven days a week. That's what it takes. You got to be dedicated to it. And, uh, you don't have to give up everything in your life for it, but you do have to give up some things. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 40 hours is a good start to the week. It's just a myth. That's right. So, um, you know, what did you change after you bought the store? How did you decide um, or became the, the majority owner? How did you decide that um, you were going to, to, to make changes to keep up with the, the, the changing uh, times and fashion and, 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 and what men were looking for? 
Well, it, it turned out that it was not exactly like that, uh, even though this gentleman had health issues and he had to retire. And I owned maybe 6% or 5% or something like that. So I got a check for 5% of what the business was worth because I couldn't afford to buy it. And, uh, and a lot of times it's that way. You know, you have, have an employee that you think a lot of and you either help him to get into his own business or sell him or give it to whatever. I didn't get any gifts or anything, but, uh, but I did get the opportunity uh, because of the fact that I had a part of being ready. I had that check that was a, uh, a building block again. Uh, I think it was $10,000 or something, which was, my God, it was all the money in the world then to me. But, uh, but having good role models is so important. I had one at Belks, and he, if he never taught me but one thing, and he did teach me a lot, but if he only taught me one thing, is don't ever give a refund if you're going to be snotty about it. You know, if, if, you, if you give a refund, give it with a smile on your face and, and be cheerful about it. He said, and I said, well, why is that? He said, if you give them the money and then run them off, you'll never get it back. But if you make them happy, even though you're, you don't want to be giving up money or anything like that, you learn that it's a lesson in life that uh, you better keep people happy, keep customers happy. And so that's the way he was. And then when I went to work for the gentleman at the men's store, um, they were much older than I was. And, uh, and their taste was a lot more conservative, not much on the edge and everything. And I wanted some edgy kinds of clothes. And uh, one of the funniest stories, Mr. Owen should have fired me a long time ago because of what I did, uh, but he was understanding. He had told me, don't buy any more ties, you know, because we've been famous for ties for a lot of years. And he, and he told me when I was working for him, he said, no, Mac Austin's coming to visit with us to try to sell us some ties. And, uh, and he said, don't buy any ties. We've got enough ties already. Do not buy any. I bought 30 dozen. And, and I really was sort of jeopardizing my future right there. But I knew we could sell them because it was a real special time when ties were changing. And there were some real beautiful, colorful stripes. And you have to have a little bit of taste in, in these things that's God-given. And the rest of it you can learn. But you need to learn a little bit about taste. And you need to have some role model that you're trying to emulate. And uh, 
and it worked. We, during the Christmas season, we sold all 30 dozen of those times. And so then it became from a heel to a hero. <laughs> and it, it made him confident that I could sell what we bought. And uh, then uh, there were so many, so, so many fewer brands than to buy. Uh, it was easy to cover the waterfront pretty easily with the brands that you needed, but it was an interesting experience. You know, interesting you talk about um, get a refund with a smile. Uh, I, I grew up in a very, very small town. I had one little small gas station and one little small uh, grocery store, uh, and that was about it. And uh, the gentleman who owned the gas station would give people credit for gas until payday. Because mm -hmm. it was, you know, it was just, you know, some people just couldn't afford to, to pay yeah. as it went along. And he always told him, come payday, come by here, even if you can't pay me. And just let's just talk about it. Yeah. And next week, come by here and buy gas because I don't want you to owe me and go somewhere else that's and right. give them the business. That's exactly but what yeah, yeah. It's it was um it was a Wisdom. Uh, even back then it was a great we had a great uh uh mindset on on you know how to keep his customers and he couldn't even pay them happy. Yeah, yeah. That's, and that's true. That's, that's the way we are. We carry a few accounts, but for the most part, everybody's credit card now or something like that. And, uh, and we've had some that we had to have a little chat with, and, uh, and usually it works out well. But the main thing you don't want to happen is just like this gentleman said, uh, don't go buy for cash somewhere else and still owe me money. You know, come by and speak to me. If we need to work something out, we'll work it out. Exactly. So the, uh, the, the gentleman you were working for ended up selling that business and you, you took that check and had enough confidence in yourself to, to invest that in again, into, into yourself and a clothing store. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, started out, uh, credit managers I learned were good people to have for friends and uh, and I can remember one a gentleman named Dick Rivers that was a, a South Georgia business that we bought a lot of suits from or bought some suits from we didn't have a lot of anything at that time but uh, I had already arranged with the bank to get a second mortgage on my house, committed to, I didn't draw any money on it because I didn't want any, any expenses, you know, but if, if I needed it, I'd get it. And so Dick Rivers asked me when I went down to pick up some suits, he said, um, tell me about your finances. And I explained everything to him. And uh, he said, uh, what are you going to do if you don't have enough income? I said, well, I've got a second mortgage commitment on my house. And uh, they would give me 15 or 20, 17,000, something like that. And, uh, and I said, but I'm hoping not to have to use it. I want to be working on other people's money is the term that I had learned. And, uh, and he said, well, 
you said it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, because you're going to have to borrow money. And so I just decided I was not going to do that. And, uh, and so I'd call him every year at around Christmas time and tell him, I said, Dick, still haven't borrowed any money yet. You know, we're working on OPM right now, other people's money. And uh, he'd laugh and he said, I never thought you'd be able to do that. So, you know, being in men's fashion to me would be, it'd be such a daunting um, risk. I would think every season that you got to decide what fashions are being pitched to you and what is actually going to sell. Cause you obviously don't want to have a lot of inventory that, that you have to discount or, or can't sell at all. So how in those early years, how did you decide, you know, these are the, the styles and brands that, that I know is, I'm going to sell and, and make a profit off of? You know, a wise guy answer is they look good to me. And uh, that's just indicative of at least some taste. You know, you have a taste for things. And uh, just everything was born from that. And the truth of the matter is, one thing that keeps you in the traces with buying is that uh, you learn that there are only a certain number of manufacturers. At that particular time, there were a lot less. And uh, some of them would be brands that we either could not or would not sell. Uh, and so that, uh, when, when they would cut goods, they would cut goods that they knew would sell. They, they're in the same situation that we are. I mean, they've got to sell what they make. And, uh, and so pe people often ask me, they say, how could you tell buying clothes in this summer what's going to sell for next summer? Exactly. I said, there are only a certain number of suppliers. And, and if you had one renegade that really made something really great looking and he had such a small bite of business, it'd be meaningless except for maybe a little bit of direction. And, uh, and so I would make sure that we didn't overbuy, but we would have things that were a little closer to the edge. So, you know, every entrepreneur, especially in, that's going to have a retail space uh, or any space where clients would come by, uh, location obviously is always top of mind and, and, and very, very important. Why did you decide that um, Aiken would be the place to stay with the business, not only when you started it, but, but long-term and not expand into to bigger markets that are closer? Because I knew so many people there. And, and that's, uh, as I said, I keep saying building blocks. But that's a real important one is to know your clientele and uh, to know people, know young people, and just have a vision about their children coming back, their grandchildren coming back. And, and that's sort of the way it was. You know, as hard as it is to build a business from scratch like you've done successfully, it's magnitudes harder for a second generation to build on 
everything you've been through because they weren't there in the beginning and, and through the rough times. And so you have you have um, a, a soldier business now to the second generation. How did you prepare them to ensure they were successful? Role model. You just have to role model in front of them. It's like uh, I've, I've heard people ask that question for us. So let me ask you a question. Just say no to drugs. Does that mean anything to you? Oh, yeah, that's, that's the way we are. I said, what if you said just no, just say no to drugs, but you use drugs? Oh, that's a bad example. And that's, that's what I always try to do with be an example of somebody that does the right thing, be honest with people, charge a fair price, and, and more important than anything is to be honest. So your, um, you know, your business um, is such a niche business. There's not, uh, you're not going to find those on every corner. You're going to find maybe one in a small town and maybe one or two in a little bit bigger town. Um, how did you stand out um, drawing people from the bigger communities and towns around, around um, Aiken uh, to be as successful as those that are in the big cities? That's, that's a funny story. Uh, I can remember when, in 1971, uh, business was just not really good like I wanted it to be. And uh, one day I wanted a Coke. And so I walked over to the drugstore, and it was on a Wednesday afternoon. And I had already decided that we'd be open on Wednesday afternoon, about the first merchants to do that. Everybody closed up the stores at one o'clock and they go to the golf course where and I decided I want to make it more convenient for people. But nothing was happening. And so I stood in the middle of the street and we're on the west side of the street. And it was a nice sunshiny day. I realized that looking at our store it looked as empty as the other buildings that were closed. And that was because the reflection of the sun off the glass of the display windows. And so I said, I'm gonna have to figure out a way to let people know we're open. So we opened one of the doors, turned the air conditioner down to like 65 and made it cool inside. But more importantly than anything, they could see that we were open. You know, with the door open, you gotta be open. And so it immediately increased business by 30% on Wednesday. And so we, we just learned from that. We have our door open basically all the time. You've seen it before. And uh, yeah, I think you have to be introspective. You know, look at things like you're a customer. If, if the place looks empty and your mind is empty, is closed like the rest of them. That's a, that's a great example. Uh, I was talking about inventory. Um, with uh, being in the uh, uh, scuba diving business now for, for about um, 17 years, um, I talked to a lot of dive shop owners. And uh, a lot of them don't carry a lot of inventory because they want people to be able to, to order what they want. And they said they if they carry... Um, 
uh, a lot of small inventory people come in to spend a dollar or two. And I said, well, you know, I, why is that a problem? I, I used to do $55 million a year selling 69 cent tacos. So I never had a problem with somebody coming in and wanting to spend less than a dollar because <laughs> it got them in there and hopefully I could sell them on something else. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, so you have to, you know, have to have the inventory for, uh, for people to come in and browse and, you, you know, you never know what, uh, what else you can sell them yeah. uh, when they come in looking for even something small. Yeah, or or some member of their family, or if they, one thing we've always dressed our windows pretty much immaculately, and uh, people would say, "Well, you're closed at night when people are looking in the windows." I said they realize Christmas will be in December, and all they have to do is let us know what they've seen in the window that's interesting, and we'll make sure that the People in the family are aware of that. So you just have to look at everything. To me, you have to look at everything like you're a customer. That's a, that's a great point. Um, so, you know, we both um, uh, are in a, a business where we deal with a little higher net worth uh, individual today. Uh, and at times, you know, it can be it can be exhausting. And so how did you deal with those, um, those unique clients that were a little higher maintenance than others? Actually, I, I never felt like it was that much of a problem. Um, I, I knew right away that there was no way we could out Walmart, Walmart. Can't do it. You can't get down lower than Walmart. So there's got to be some upside that's, heavy with potential and then of course up above that as they may go to Atlanta or you know Phoenix or some large city and buy things but um, overall we just uh, try to stay in that sweet spot about where people would buy let's say a suit and when we first started out, we were selling suits for 199 to $299, somewhere along in there. And, uh, and we worked ourselves up a little bit each season till we got some brands like Hearts After and Marks. I can remember a gentleman who was very well connected in Aiken and in the state of South Carolina. A very curious man. Uh, when we were getting the store ready to open, uh, he would walk around the streets at night, and he came walking in. We were working in there, and uh, he said, "You're going to carry Heart Chapter in Mars." I said, "I don't think I'll be able to do that." He said, "Why?" I said, "Because they require." X amount, we don't have X amount to do anything with. He said, well, if you can get it, I'll buy a suit every season from you. And so he did. And we got hearts after March and sold for many years. Uh, again, it's, it's back to learning what people want and addressing that. You know, that's a good point uh, about the high, higher end um, brands out there in, in clothing and suits. Um, it seems to me there's a, been a trend for the last decade or so of, of people having a more casual dress code at businesses. 
Have you seen that uh, of your clients and had to adapt to that? Yeah, and, and the thing that we thought about, we, we worried about it to start with. And then we got to thinking, if people have more leisure time, they'll have time to wear more casual clothes and everybody's getting more leisure time. And, uh, and if we can get them in twice as often or four times as often, once a month, because people that are close horses will come in once a month or more. And, uh, and if you can get them to come in more often, let's say a shirt is a hundred dollars and maybe a suit is $7.95 or something like that. Well, all they have to do is come in and spend a hundred dollars eight times and you're even with where you were before. So we, we try to address the more casual as an opportunity rather than a, a negative. Yes, that, that um, goes back to my point of being able to sell lower priced items uh, more often uh, to yeah. get to the, to, the same, to the same margin. And you see that customer more often and they're, they're more likely to visit places they're familiar with and, and comfortable with. That's right. And they will speak to their family about, you know, those guys at Lionel Smith Limited are really, really pretty nice, you know. That's great. Which is a good thing to have to say. You know, with uh, with my current businesses, uh, even with all the different destinations I have around the world, we try to integrate into the community and help out the community wherever they might uh, need it. Has Has Lionel Smith Limited and 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 you um, as Lionel Smith? Um, looked into the Aiken community over the past couple of decades and, and worked with other businesses and, and community volunteers and events? I would sort of do one-on-one -on -one coaching with people to try to help them to get involved in business. But one of the big things we do is we try to address the college you know, we, we have a scholarship there and everything, an endowed scholarship. And uh, if, you, if you give back to the community, it's sort of like a farmer that plows his soil and plows things back in, uh, you'll find out that it bears fruit. Um, has... Um, Technology played a role at all in how you um, uh, conduct your business from day to day? Yeah, uh, it makes being in touch with customers much easier and uh, gives you a tool for inventory control and, and just for information purposes. You know, it's a real bonus. Uh, took a while to get comfortable with it. Uh, we've been through a series of programs, and now we're in a program called Retail Pro. And Retail Pro is very, it's not as customer-friendly to start with, but overall, it's a real bonus. So every entrepreneur knows they're going to have uh, some great times and, and some hard times. Um, what's, 
What's inspired you to stay motivated through um, those tougher times and keep your head up and moving forward? Good question. Um, you know, we have so many people that work at Savannah Riverside and always have. And, uh, when, uh, and they're typically very conservative people, certainly financially very conservative. Well, when I was getting ready to open the store, they, they would come to me and they'd say, are you sure that that's a good thing to do, leaving your other job and opening that up? And I said, yeah, I think so. And, uh, and they said, uh, what's going to happen if it doesn't work? I said, it has to work. And they said, well, why? I said, because that's where I earn a living for my family and I. And, uh, and so if you have to stick in the carrot, you can make things happen. And, uh, and I've often heard the story about there are three kinds of people. You've heard this, I'm sure. There's kind that watch things happen. Those that, uh, those that make people make things happen. And those who wonder what happened, which group you want to be in. We want to be in the group that makes things happen. That's, that's a good way to put that. So, um, Smitty, I'm going to wrap it up with um, just a final question to you. If you have any um, other advice or insight you'd like to give any, any new entrepreneurs or even seasoned entrepreneurs about delivering um, uh, a business model that caters to a higher-end clientele. You, you have to. It's not like you can send out a questionnaire and find out because people either won't fill them out or they'll say what they think you want to hear. And so we, we don't do that. We, it's, it's very much like a role model don't, saying don't do drugs, just say no to drugs, but if you're doing it in front of them, they're going to do it in, behind you. Um, but if, if you do the right thing and, and do your role modeling the way you should, it'll come out fine. Well, that's uh, been some great advice, um, Smitty, from you. Uh, so everybody, you've been listening to uh, Lionel Smith and his journey to tap into the small town vibe and turn it not only into a very successful business, but a local landmark and icon. So thank you, Smitty, for being with us today. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Inspired by Adventure podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe through iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next time.